Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by community pastor Ted Canaris as we continue the series, Searching for Answers. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. I recently came across a group of memes online called You Only Had One Job. It's a funny collection of pictures from when people seem to mess up relatively simple tasks. They only had one job to do and they just totally missed the mark. Let me give you a couple examples. How about this worker who labeled this product long yellow things? I mean, really? Bananas was too hard of a word to type out on the label maker? Or or how about this one? Open nine days a week. Someone was tasked with painting a slogan on the wall, and this is what they came up with. I wonder if they're open 25 hours a day as well. Or one more. Let's take a look at this one. Remember, safety first. It says, give cyclists space. So let's be sure to block the cyclist path to let them know how much we care about them. Now, I know it's easy to laugh at these you only had one job examples, but if you're anything like me, and I think you probably are, there have been plenty of times where we have missed the mark. Now, it's not a big deal when we mess up on a job like, you know, mislabeling bananas, but What about when we feel like we've missed the mark when it comes to the bigger things in life? You ever feel like you're missing the mark in your career? You ever feel like you're missing the mark in your relationships? Or do you ever feel like you're missing the mark in your mission? That nine sense that we might be missing the mark that many of us struggle with is connected to one of the biggest questions we're likely to wrestle with at one time or another in our lives. And that question is, what am I supposed to do with my life? For this Searching for Answers series, we've researched the common questions people are asking Google. And many of these questions are our head questions, questions that have to do with our minds, like the question we asked last week, how do we deal with anxiety? While some questions are more practical, they might think of them like like hands questions, and they relate to the practical things that we want to know how to do, like how can I fix a leaky faucet or, or where can I find good Italian food? But other questions have to do with the heart. And these questions have to do with how we feel, the stuff we wrestle with in the core of our being. And the question we're going to talk about today is just one of those. What am I supposed to do with my life? Again, we will likely all wrestle with this question at one time or another. I mean, I know I have. Some of us wrestle through this question for for a season. Uh, Others of us are confronted by the question when we face like a major life decision. I mean, I remember when my wife Melissa and I were considering moving out of our current, our past church, which was wonderful, incredible, and such an amazing place for us. And we really felt like God was leading us into a next chapter, but we really didn't know what to do or how to move forward. We kept asking the question, God, what do you want us to do with our lives? And we tried to find answers in, in all kinds of different ways, but as obvious as it might sound, the old like pros and cons list didn't quite seem to cut it. The only place we found the answer was through seeking God in prayer. And I think there's a very, very good reason for that. Let me explain it this way. Let's talk about the purpose of a few random products to sort of illustrate this. 
Now, if you're under 25, you may have never seen or used these products I'm going to show you. So if that's you, let's see if you can guess the purpose of these items. For example, take this item. Anyone under 25 know what the purpose of this item was? Yes, back before everything went digital, we used to carry these and a handful of CDs around to listen to music. Sony created the Discman to make CDs portable. And I mean, not to brag or anything, but I had one of these babies with 30 seconds of anti-skip technology. Incredible, right? Or how about this beauty? What was this one used for? That's right, making phone calls. A man named Almon Brown Stroger invented the rotary phone to make it possible to make a phone call without having to use an operator. That was its purpose. Yes, I'm pretty sure anyone who was born after 1990 has no idea how to use one of these things. Or one final item. Any guesses to what the purpose of this item was? Okay, this is an ancient charcoal iron. It was designed centuries ago by the Chinese people to help you get the wrinkles out of your khakis. Now, some of us aren't even sure what the purpose of a modern electric iron is, so don't feel bad if you didn't know this one. But what I'm trying to show here is that every one of these products has an origin story. Every one of them was designed for a purpose. And who determined, who determined that purpose? The creator, right? When a person or a group of people design and build a product, they are the people who define that product's purpose. The creator is the author of purpose. So if we want to know our purpose, we have to look to our creator. We have to look to God. And we see this in Genesis 1 where we read, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Not only is God our creator, but this passage tells us that we are created in his image, in his likeness. It's incredible when you really think about it that you and I are created in the image of God. That means that every person out there, those people that you really like, and those people that you don't really like, all of us are created in the image of God. And the psalmist echoes this truth when he says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. You and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are not an accident. You're here for a purpose, and the only one who can reveal that purpose to you is the one who made you. So let's take a look at what your maker says about you. And we're going to dig into our understanding of our purpose using a three-part framework that I think will help us understand what the Bible has to say about all of this. And the three-part framework is this, identity, calling, an assignment. So first, identity. In his first letter, the Apostle John writes this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. In order to understand our purpose, we have to start by understanding our identity. If you have made the decision to follow Jesus, your identity, what you are, as John says, is 
a child of God. And God is a perfect and powerful, loving Father who lavishes His love on us as His children. So when you are in a hard space asking questions about who you are or what your purpose in life is, this is what you can come back to. This is the foundation, the bedrock of our identities, that we are children of God. The beautiful thing about this is that when it comes from God and not from us, it's not based on your accomplishments in school or at work or any place else. It's not based on your status in the world or your position in the church, which means that you can't earn it. And it also means that you won't lose it even when you make mistakes, even colossal mistakes. We are God's forever adopted children simply because of His great love for us, period. Now, some of you may be saying to yourselves, well, that's great, incredible, wonderful and all, but, but what am I supposed to do with my life? Well, I'm glad you asked. The second aspect of understanding our purpose is our calling. As followers of Jesus, each one of us has a call on our lives. But here's something you might not expect. The calling is actually the same for each one of us. So often I think we overcomplicate this question of, of calling. We feel restless and maybe overwhelmed. We remain still rather than doing the risk of, of moving forward. But our calling really comes down to this. In Matthew's account of the life of Jesus, a man asked Jesus the name of the greatest commandment. And, and here's how Jesus answered. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I love how Jesus gives this guy sort of like a, a two-for-one deal here. These two commandments summarize the calling of every person who follows Jesus. Love God and love people. In the first part of Jesus' answer, he's actually quoting an ancient prayer called the Shema. This prayer is from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, in the book of Deuteronomy. And this command is called the Shema because the Hebrew word for hear is Shema. And it's a reminder to God's people to hear and also to respond to this calling. And what I hope you're hearing in all of this is this command. This calling on God's people is ancient and it's universal. This calling serves to sort of orient our hearts towards God. It helps us resist the pull towards an activism or a religion that is not, not rooted in our love for God. It's like our true north. It's providing clarity and direction for all of life's big decisions. But Jesus doesn't just stop with the command to love God. Remember the second commandment that Jesus gives is to also love your neighbor as yourself. This means that our calling includes loving our neighbors. This protects us from the impulse to make following Jesus only like a personal or a private decision or lifestyle. Certainly our personal and private decisions matter, but, but following Jesus also leads us to love our neighbors in a real and practical and, and frankly, sometimes costly ways. And notice Jesus calls us to radically love our neighbors, to love them as much as we love ourselves. 
We all love ourselves. I mean, look at you, what's not to love? But even when we struggle to love ourselves, we still really care about ourselves. After all, if we didn't love ourselves, we wouldn't even bother putting the energy into not liking ourselves, right? The truth is, we should love ourselves. Why? Because self-love is rooted in our identity as beloved children of God. And then it's out of this knowledge of God's lavish love for us that we can love ourselves and in turn love our neighbors. We can love God and others because he first loved us. It's on these two commandments of loving God and loving our neighbors that the entire law and the prophets hang. And that's sort of like shorthand way of saying that this is what following Jesus is all about. This is not a list of do's and don'ts. This is not just a couple of boxes to check. This is our calling. Commentator Frederick Dale Bruner puts it this way. Jesus opens the hearts of believers like flowers to the sun into an affectional life. We were made to love. His double love command gives humans a direction to face and a way to be. Our calling to love God and to love people gives us a direction to face and a way to be. And although we share the same calling, the reality is that each of us will live out this calling in our own unique way, which really brings us to the third aspect of understanding our purpose, assignment. Your assignment is the specific way that God wants to fulfill his purpose through you in this particular time and in this particular place. Your assignment is something that will likely change at different times and in different seasons of your life. And, and in his letter to the church of Ephesus, the apostle Paul reminds the followers of Jesus with this. He says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork made in his image, dearly loved children who are called to love God and to love others. And there are good works for each of us to do that God has prepared in advance. Looking at the places where you currently live, work, and play is really a great place to start when you're trying to discern your current assignment. Pay attention to the, the longings that God might be stirring in you in those places. Well, what brings you to tears? Where does your heart and your passion meet the world's biggest needs? These are great questions to ask of yourself to begin discerning your unique assignment. When you think about this assignment, some of you might be feeling a little discouraged. Maybe you're in a season of learning at various levels of school or continuing education to prepare for the next step of your assignment, and it sort of feels like you're in limbo. Some of you may be in the early years of parenting and thinking much beyond getting everyone dressed and fed and where they need to be on time, frankly, feels impossible. In this current pandemic season, for example, that we're all in, it can feel like there are so many obstacles to living out your assignment. Yet I believe there are opportunities even here in the in-between spaces, in the overwhelmed spaces, in the discouraging spaces to love God and to love our neighbor. I love how author Sybil Stanton puts it. 
Your purpose has nothing to do with grandiose goals, lofty achievements, or universal fame. It is the quiet confidence that even if you never leave your neighborhood, you will have lived fully. Man, I find that so encouraging. No matter where you find yourself, no matter what season of life you're in, God has an assignment for you in that space. Here are a few examples of folks who who I see living this out right here and right now. I think of Steve, who is courageously using the story of how God redeemed his brokenness to help other men find that same hope and healing. I think of Jasmine, a student who was recently baptized, who's now exploring how she can lead and teach to help other students find their way back to God. I think of Allie, a mother of young children who's just so busy, who has partnered with a local ministry in our area to care for young women who have been sexually exploited. I think of John and Craig and Rich and others who are volunteering their time and effort and passion to our local government to make our city a better place for everyone. All of them are beloved children of God, called to love God and to love people who are following God into their unique assignment in this time and in this place. What I hope that you can see here is that there is tremendous freedom in our assignment. So often people think, God, tell me exactly what to do. But in many ways and in many times, God says, you know your identity. You're a child of God. You're a child of mine. You know your calling to love God and to love people. As for your assignment, sometimes you just get to choose. So there's freedom, but that means that there's also responsibility. We don't always sit back waiting for a lightning bolt to kind of show us what to do. We can actively seek ways to fulfill God's purpose in the time and the place that we find ourselves by leaning into God's word, by leaning into prayer, and by leaning into our community to help us discern next steps. I want to share this story with you of a young woman from Aurora who realized her next assignment was something that she didn't expect. My name is Kelsey, and my husband is Andy, and we've been attending community for two years. I moved to Aurora with the mindset that it would be very temporary. My hope was to move to another country. Um, I had just come off of living in England for several years, and I think just being exposed to different cultures, I was very drawn to that. And so when we moved to Aurora, I did not decorate my home. I did not settle in in any sense of the word. When the pandemic was about to hit, is when I started to realize and that light bulb started to go off that what I want to do in other countries, I can do here and I should do here if I think I want to do it and would be good at it in other countries. That desire to leave started to shift into a desire to love the people that are here in front of me. I've really just genuinely fallen in love with the people in Aurora, in my job in Aurora, the way I can be involved in the community and I guess I noticed a shift because a couple years ago when I was having that light bulb moment, I started waking up in the day like ready to get up and actually go to work and and do things in the community because it felt like my home and my community. And I really care about the well-being of the people there and I want the people there to be successful and to thrive in life. As I realized how invested I was in the community of Aurora, Um, 3C community was a great way to be more holistically supportive of the community, uh, not just practically with my work, not just relationally with people there, but also spiritually. 
A lot of the practical things involving a 3C of eating together, of meeting in somebody's home, and just studying a small passage together, asking questions and having discussion, like those are themes that you very much see in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. In a way, it's very biblical uh, to do a 3C style expression. And I think it kind of breaks it down to the roots and you can kind of cut away some of the extra stressors that can be involved in, you know, attending a full institutional church. I love the idea that it's for anybody and that it's a safe place and that people who have experienced a sense of betrayal or disenfranchisement or any kind of mistrust with the church, they have a place to go and still connect with God. As we were trying to figure this out, my expectation going into this church was that we would almost have to convince the people coming that this is worth their time, despite their mistrust of the church. But because we had already established really good relationships with those people, they just jumped in and they were like really happy to participate. And it was a really pleasant surprise in the end. I felt such a sense of contentment and peace and joy in like getting up every day and going to work and being involved in the community in Aurora. And that's that sense of contentment I have never had at any other points, even with other assignments. I think because I was always looking ahead to like, okay, when can I travel? When can I move abroad? When can I do the next thing? But I'm very content here too. And God has, I don't know, trained me up for, for this moment and these people as well. And I just genuinely love these people and I love the city of Aurora and the community there. Wow, what an encouraging story. Kelsey, thank you so much for leading the way and for sharing your story with us. In the end, we can know our identity, we can know our calling, and we can even know where we're going, our final destination to be with God and to enjoy Him together forever. And the encouraging reality is that there is often freedom in our assignment along the journey. So let's support one another in the seemingly mundane day in and day out faithfulness, as well as in the big risky leaps of faith, both of which can be faithful expressions of people following Jesus and living out their identity, their calling, and their assignment. One of the ways that we can support one another can happen right now. We're gonna spend some time prayerfully reflecting during this next song. And here's what I'd like to ask you to do. As the music plays, allow the first few minutes of singing to sort of just wash over you and to prayerfully reflect on these phrases. God, I am your child. You are my home. God, I commit to my calling. I am not alone. God. Reassure me of or reveal to me my assignment. I trust in your goodness. Remember, your purpose is far greater than any of your accomplishments. When everything else seems uncertain, you can rest in the truth that He is your home and that you are His child called to love God and to love people. Let's start that time of reflection right now. Oh, I believe it. Your eyes will see the goodness of the Lord. The 
goodness of the Lord, don't let your 